This episode of Aphorisms is recorded in London, the colonial capital, and on the unceded lands of the Gadigal and Wongal peoples. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and future. Oh hey there, happy Astrological New Year. Uh, this week Maddie and I are catching up on Real Housewives of Atlanta for Cynthia and Mike's wedding episode, which is fun. Plus we get all up to date on MAFS Season 8, MAFS Australia of course. There are three new couples entering the experiment this week, so three new couples for us to tear apart, which we love. Uh, plus we unpack Harry and Meghan's, of course, infamous Oprah interview, which apparently took us three weeks to digest. And of course we do our weekly horoscopes where our hackness is glaringly evident as we learn that it is in fact the astrological new year. Uh, learning's a process and we're getting there. <laughs> Enjoy and have a great week. Good morning, Maddie. Good evening, Anna. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, actually. The sun has come out in London, which means it's still wow. like seven degrees, but mm-hmm. the sun is out in London. <laughs> so everyone seems like they're on drugs. That's how happy everyone in the city gets. Honestly, it's amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're and like the winners. <laughs> Sort of. You can meet up with one person outside your household outside at the park. Okay. Which is exactly what I did today and it was freaking delightful. Yeah. So what did you do yesterday with your friend? Um, we went to a park and sat down on a blanket and sat in the cold <laughs> and I got an ice cream and cake. Nice. It was well, lovely. it's raining nonstop here and it's flooded in Western Sydney. Shit. Um, and all down the coast there's like major flooding evacuation. oh like proper proper fucking hell mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah <laughs> on that note um shall we do our horoscopes astrology hacks yeah you go first okay i'm gonna do the weekend horoscope from scorpio mystique from dose via so that's the 20th to the 21st um oh <laughs> it says welcome to the astrological new year scorpio what <laughs> Is there different news? Astrology. Happy. Happy New Year. Um, this weekend, the sun shifts out of the sensitive sign of Pisces and enters the fiery first sign of the zodiac Aries. This is so accurate to how I'm feeling. Like, I don't know if it's, I'm also hormonal. And so it's following my like hormone cycle, but also I was like crybaby moody bitch all week. And then this weekend, I've just been raging about everything. So right on time um these next four weeks will light up areas of our life that have to do with pleasure purpose passion and productivity we may feel like we've received a cosmic energy boost that allows us to kickstart some of our 2020 goals into high gear fantastic um it's like a fire is now lit under your ass and you're ready to take the world by storm i don't feel like i've felt the spark of that yet (laughs) i really hope that kicks in soon because i've got a lot to do next month um since our ruler Mars is still in Gemini for a while longer, you may not be fully certain about where to direct all this ambitious energy. See, that's what I just said. Um, this would be an ideal weekend to write down all the ideas you have and let them inspire you without immediately feeling the need to commit to one specific path. Also, pay attention to your dreams since Mercury is now in Pisces. They contain important messages about this. what this new year will gift you with. Fuck, I had a really terrible dream last night. So I hope that's not the case. I had a dream that the new apartment I'm moving into... Um, didn't, 
didn't have a cafe within walking distance and also was infested with like squirrels and cats. And you know how I feel about cats. Squirrels are right up there in the rodent vermin realm as well. And so, and I woke up feeling quite, quite sick because I couldn't get them out. Then I was like, no, no, that's not happening. You're moving to a very nice apartment in a really nice area with very expensive coffee right around the corner. So I hope that's not indicative of things that I think are going to be good turn out to have secret infested problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. It might not be such a literal message though as well. It might be just, it could be something more abstract. That's the message of the dream that's... or the feeling of the dream or, you know, maybe just telling you something about how you're feeling rather than okay. what's going to happen. I do have a lot of anxiety about the upcoming month, like people coming back into my life, things that have to change, like moving houses. So I'm just generally a ball of like Sunday scaries every day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're like on the verge of change, but mm, once um, you go through the change, you'll have like a new beginning and everything's going to. That's the goal. I mean, I'm Scorpio is one of the three fixed signs as well. Or fourth fixed signs. I don't know. So I don't like change a lot. Up until the point of change, I'm like, but once it's over, I'll make do. Yeah, definitely. I'm the same. I hate change. Yeah, I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) Quite rigid. Okay, well, that's me. I feel as mixed as I can about that, you know. Yes. Aries season has well and truly started. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're all on the rage train. necessarily anger as well it can be just like very hectic determination i find okay like aries yeah i see that yeah aries people i know are very like go get it you know balls of energy i I do need a bit of that energy this month yes yeah and also it's our favorite aries birthday today karina yeah happy birthday karina happy birthday karina (laughs) how lovely happy birthday karina how old is she if you don't mind revealing her age. 27, I think. A baby. A little yeah, baby. She's a baby. But she's also a fiery ball of determination, that she one. Is, she is. Good for her. Well, yes. My horoscope this week is from No Taurus by Dose Via, And it's for the 20th and the 21st as well. Um, so mine says happy Aries season. And um, it says on my horoscope that the astrological new year starts with the spring equinox. That also makes sense. I understand that now also because Aries is the beginning of the astrological year. So that's Mm -hmm. when it restarts Mm -hmm. the the 12. So now I understand. Yes. I have so much to say about like years and months being completely complete constructions and how like many other calendars other than the Western calendar makes sense, like the astrological calendar Mm -hmm. or the lunar calendar, which are actually based on something. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) happy spring equinox. Um, Yep. So my horoscope says that it's time for new beginnings uh, and to go ahead and set your intentions for the year to come. Um, It says... Uh, you want to shift your energy a bit more inward, pay attention to the places where you need to pull more of your energy back in, work on balancing and reprioritizing. Um, and it says Venus is going into your area of spirituality. Oh, yeah. And the next three weeks will be a great time to appreciate the things you do backstage. 
Well, that's nice. Yeah. I like the direction of this horoscope because it's encouraging me to stay back. Be introverted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not have to socialize and do anything with other people. Yeah. Great. So that's a good start to the year for me. <laughs> I guess I should set some intentions. I actually feel like at this moment in time is a very, I'm on the cusp of something. So I should set some intentions, which I guess is like my inner witchiness aligned to what the stars are doing because like, I do feel that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that sounds like a good idea. I mean, your your horoscope literally directly told you to. It does add a lot though. And I'm like, oh my God, how much more can I do? But to be honest, (laughs) Haven't been doing that much. The last couple of years, I've not done a lot of like, I've done a lot of growth, but my intentions and my goals are like, have a house, get a visa, you know, don't die from Corona. So I think those have been very literal things and it's now time maybe to set some more personal growth intentions. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I'll do that. Are you going to do intentions too? Um, I think that it's like regular practice kind of for me. Maybe not in the same way that the horoscope's talking about, but yeah. Good yeah, for you. For sure. Okay, great. <laughs> mm. Shall we move on then? Yes. So moving on to Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yes. Season 13, episode 12, uh, which you haven't watched. I haven't. My bad on that one. I forgot it was the new episode. I thought I was up to date. But I do know that it was Miss Cynthia Bailey's second wedding, I believe. I think she's the only one to have two weddings on Real Housewives. Really? Like two wedding episodes, you know? Oh, okay. I'm sure there would be someone else that had two wedding episodes. In and maybe in a different series. I think a lot of people have vow renewals. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, she's married to a whole different human. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I trust your knowledge on the issue. Um, so, yes, 10-10-20 has arrived on the Housewives <laughs> of Atlanta. So um, The most boring build-up to a wedding, by the way. Like, nobody cared. I feel like I, I was just thinking the whole season is don't get married. You're being incredibly responsible. Who cares about the date? Like, stop. This was a boring build-up to a wedding, but the dungeon was the build-up to the wedding. That's different. That was just the greatest thing to ever happen of all time. <laughs> yeah, but it was still in the build-up to right. the wedding. You know what? I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, I don't really have heaps to say about this episode. Some stuff that happened was Cynthia did get married on 10, 10 20. <laughs> There were definitely too many people there. Yeah, um, do you think yeah. they should have had the wedding? Like, people were wearing no. masks, but to what, like, what was the point? Like, if you're going to have it, you're going to have it. Like, there's no point just doing that as the one <laughs> restriction or guideline, you know what I mean? It's not like anyone was social distancing because they're all over each other. Yeah, I was thinking about this because I initially was quite offended by the whole thing mm-hmm. um, and was not you know, not impressed by a gathering of this size. I felt like it was quite irresponsible considering the timing um, that Mm. the wedding happened. Um, And then I kind of thought, you know, this is really more of a failing of the US as a society at large. Yes. Because, you know, I I doubt that 
anybody else was doing anything different to sort of totally and uh what's her husband's name again mike mike hill Hill, no chill is their couple named together cynthia hill chill ah yes that makes sense Mm -hmm. um so yeah initially i was like quite appalled and then i was kind of thinking oh this is like more of a bigger issue um the thing about the u.s is that like it is like the it is a country where the citizens are the most ripped off people um truly in the sense that they pay a huge amount of taxes and their government provides almost nothing for them so you know i have a million criticisms of the australian government um and i don't like it when my when my students or when people come to me saying well what about what they did with covid okay well yes there was some good action with covid and there's also as we have discussed some Mm -hmm. some major failings by this government around covid um however with the US like there's just there's so little means of distribution of resources there's there's no infrastructure for um you know like health education mm-hmm. um in in specifically in relation to like really big public health issues um they just do not have they just don't their government does not invest in the same way yeah. uh, in stuff like that in the se- in the same way that like you know the British government does uh, the Australian government does because we're, you know, more heavily bureaucratic social democracies, whereas yep. the US is, you know, that kind of libertarian vision, uh, very, like, strong neoliberal ethics. You know, when you have people that are not, um, I guess, like, not fully informed about COVID, like, and then also there's no, there's, like, this um, full investment in freedom so, like, we can do whatever we want and act however we want because we're American. Um, I, you really can't blame, like, two people for how they're acting no. in that context. Exactly. That's the context they, they live in, right? Yeah, that's what they exist within. So, it's hard from an outside point of view to be like, this is wrong. Like, I, right. I did the same thing. Like, I was in the UK last year and people in Australia were like, we haven't left our houses or gone five kilometers beyond our house. And I'm like, I went to Greece for a holiday, but that's because we could, you know? And, <laughs> and I still felt bad about it, but I was like, this is the framework that I'm existing within right now. And I know it's going to save my bloody mental health to get out of this country and see God gems sunlight. But yeah, people make the decisions that's within the framework that they exist within. So you have to understand the context. Exactly. So like the rules said you could go to Greece, even though we were in the middle of a mm-hmm. global pandemic and the rules there said that, Cynthia could have a wedding with heaps of people at it. Mm-hmm. So true. She did what she did. She did. Yeah. She looked great. Um, I just want to say that Cynthia looked fucking <laughs> breathtaking at this wedding. She did. I actually gasped when she <laughs> came out, and I, for a second I was like, "Do I want to get married?" And then I was like, "No, no, no, no." But I probably could be convinced. I was about to say, you, if any one of the housewives were like. Maddie, we would do it if, if you married me. You'd be like, okay, fine. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would. <laughs> um, and so another another sort of plot line. There's t- two other important things happened in this episode. One was there was like a nieces, a nieces gathering. So Portia, Drew, <laughs> Latoya and... Tanya? Not Tanya. Who's that other one? Shamia. Oh, she's so pretty. Shamia's Portia's friend. Yes. Okay. So 
There was a Nisa's gathering with Portia, Shamia, Drew, Latoya, and then Marlo was there, even though, is she a niece? Absolutely she was not. on that trip hanging out with the Nisa's doing the fun stuff. Yeah, but she also always goes to bed early. And, like, remember when she was doing the next morning, she was reading her, like, mindfulness affirmations? Yeah. Marlo, and she was making everyone's drinks. Like, Marlo's full auntie energy, but I love her so much. Absolutely. I have, uh, yes, Marlo is absolutely an auntie, (laughs) but she gets invited to the Nisa event. Yeah, of course. Um, And at this Nisa event, they were, like, playing this giant Jenga but, like, one thing I'll say about the women on this show is, like, they have such fun together. Yes. Like, they just have a it's fucking joy. Like it's... when Yeah, so joyful. So much joy on this um, this series compared to, like, Beverly Hills where, like, after almost every episode you're just, like, I'm drained by these <laughs> Yeah, women. you're, like, they're sapped of joy. <laughs> yes. That's why people Sorry, keep saying Beverly, say? Beverly Hills and OC particularly need, like, a full – cast shake up because there is no joy anymore like none and i think it's really clear that none of them are friends in real life like mm-hmm. whereas new york and atlanta you can tell they do actually see each other when there are no cameras rolling and there's like a real relationship there yes comparatively beverly hills and oc are a bit miserable um <laughs> and i just really enjoy atlanta like it's even potomac's like a little bit miserable like there's not much well yes not recently. as much joy at least in the last season but, you know, even though there's drama in this season, there's so much fun as well. Um, so, yeah, so they have a Nisa's gathering and they're playing this giant Jenga, which is like truth or dare. Oh, fun. Uh, and Marlo gets her full boobs out. <gasps> like, so one of the dares to like go around the room topless like a couple of times. I can't remember how many times. And Marlo's like not wearing a bra, just pulls up her shirt and just is running around with her full boobs out. Um, I bet she has really good boobs. Magnificent boobs, really good. Um, Has a great time. Everybody's having a great time. And then, of course, uh, Latoya. Latoya arrives late and starts just, just starts basically. Who? Starts with who? Yeah. Initially, Drew. Oh, yeah. There's well, a weird Portia. friction there. And then Portia, her girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aww. Starts with Drew and then starts going Portia over, you know, just basically like the shit with Kenya and taking Kenya's side on <sighs> stuff. And then, um, you know, just bringing up that Drew was like dancing or twerking on the stripper. Um, just... Yeah, and then they're kind of, everyone's kind of like, LaToya, like, nobody trusts you because <laughs> you live in, I think Portia has said, like, LaToya lives in Kenya's butthole. <laughs> um, yeah, it just kind of popped off, but then kind of, like, resumed <laughs> being See, a fun time again. Also, I love that about Atlanta, and New York is very good at this as well. They will have episodic mammoth feuds and then by the next episode it's okay again or the next social gathering whereas in Beverly Hills if one thing happens episode one that becomes the thread of the season for like fucking 18 episodes and you don't care anymore beyond episode one like so that's what I also love about Atlanta I was also gonna say I've had bad vibes about LaToya from the moment she walked in I do not trust her. I don't like her. She came for people very quickly. She liked Kenya, so I judged her on that. Like, 
she may have had her moment with Portia, which is her only saving grace, but I just don't, I don't trust her. She's got bad vibes and she really doesn't like Drew. And I think she's unnecessarily mean to her because yes, Drew is married to a demon, but that's that she's not actually reflective that much of him. She's quite nice and fun and chill. So I don't understand why Latoya is coming for her quite so hard, unless they've both been told like there's one peach next season. You two go for it. You know, maybe, is she comes across in a way that's quite um maybe she's daring or (laughs) desperate for approval or something like that yep so i think this really that really came out in this episode um when she actually during conversation she actually told something about kenya that um kenya's so candy in the previous episode revealed to her that um Kenya's ex was going to sue her for alimony and then Latoya Mm. like blabbed that to try and get people back on her side at the niece's gathering Uh, and they all meet it was interesting because they all immediately were like stop like that's not your business sharing that information even though it was Kenya who they're all fighting with see um, they were just like Latoya that's you know don't don't share that like you're a snake basically yeah right so it seemed like she was kind of having the last minute scramble for their approval and she that really like was the nail in the coffin. They yeah, were right. Like, no. Okay. Yeah. Cannot be trusted. Snake in the grass. Yeah. But I do enjoy her on the season, so I hope she's not going anywhere. You just like that she's sending nudes with Kenya. I do. She's, <laughs> she's bring, she brings the drama, that one. Yeah, she does. And I appreciate yeah. that energy. Yeah. Yeah, she does. And then I, the only other thing I would say about this episode is um, Portia meets, meets with her ex and is kind of like, yeah, like, we're not getting back together. Oh, good for her. Um, I don't like Dennis. Yeah. Yeah, and Portia also looked absolutely breathtaking mm. at Cynthia's wedding. She did. She amazing. I mean, she's just so beautiful. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah. I want to be her friend. I want to look like her. I want to, like, kiss her. But I also just, like, want to be around her energy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Mm, okay. It reminds me of when I was like 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 nine, ten years old and I used to fixate on certain random like women in like movies and stuff, like really random ones, like Rachel from Coyote Ugly, who's kind of like the mean one that always wears leather. But like I would always fixate on like wanting to be them or something or just be near them and then I realised I was a lesbian. But um Portia gives me that same vibe, even though she's not like I'm not like attracted to her, do you know what I mean? I'm just a little bit obsessive about her. Seems like you said before you want to kiss her though, so it does seem. But not like in a sexy way. Just like, just want to like give her lots of kisses and a cuddle. Oh, okay, <laughs> just for fun. Yeah, like best girlfriends. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, should I think that's all for? Yeah. This week. Surprising that a wedding is a bit of a filler episode, but I mean it is. Yeah, it's what it was. Okay, next. Back to season eight of Married at First Sight Australia, the most insane show. The greatest show. So last week was um, the week where we lost like three couples or two couples. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. bam, bam. They just dropped off. Yeah. So Coco and Sam, Sam and Cam and Beth and Russell left last week, right? Yeah. And absolute dead weight. Happy to see them go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
So then we have three new couples. We have Georgia and Liam. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Georgia and Liam? Thoughts on Georgia and Liam was ready to despise them both. Um, she looks like a bit of a Barbie girl, completely in pink, but, you know, has her own business or whatever and says that she's very like non-judgmental. And then we meet Liam who fully has the face of someone that I really want to hate. And I probably will anyway, but um, he came out very early at his wedding. So the other thing was because they're new couples, all the other couples of the experiment or half and half of them attended their wedding. Um, so then they realized that half of their guests were, you know, some of the other couples and Beck pretty much for some reason asked straight away, like, are you gay or something or are you bi? And he was put on the spot quite quickly, went bright red and answered. So Georgia was quite taken aback. She was like, are you serious? But then to her credit, handled it like just really, I don't care. No big deal. Like we're in this together. So I think he felt very accepted and it was the right response for him immediately to feel like at ease. So, yeah, so they Liam bonded. Basically, comes out as soon as we're introduced to Liam. He basically yeah. comes out as bisexual. Yeah. And there's sort of some question of whether Georgia will accept it, but she seems to have accepted it by now. Yeah, and that bonded them. I feel like they bonded very quickly because he felt like immediate kind of trust and acceptance from her. So they're actually a little bit cute. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Right now, these two are doing well, and they yeah. seem quite nice and quite cute, and. They kind of like finish each other's sentences and talk really yep. fast with each other and just like are having a nice time yep. and having sex all the time. Um, <laughs> good for them. Good for them. They're enjoying it. <laughs> they are. Yeah. And, and then we have um, John and Carrie. Yeah. So. Oh, sorry. Johnny and Carrie. Johnny and Carrie. Um, yeah. Off the back of our conversation last week where we were talking about there are definite homosexuals um, on this series mm-hmm. I believe Johnny may be one of them and mm-hmm. he didn't really specify so he was both of Johnny and Carrie had both been married before and Johnny tells us that when he was married they were together for like two years and then it was over very suddenly six months in mm-hmm. where his ex mm-hmm. left him and he felt like he let down his family because he couldn't make it work Now, Uh I don't know if it's just my gay mind leading to this immediate response, but I was thinking, hey, maybe she found out you like to have sex with men. Just a guess. Uh Um, And you kept that from her. Uh Just an idea. And then Carrie's also been married before, but she's really, really good friends with her ex because they just kind of became best friends. So Uh their thing at the moment is they started off really solid and really like, hey, hey, positivity, we like each other. But Johnny quite quickly was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about you being friends with your ex. Because he can't understand it because he's clearly absolutely not with his. Yes, 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 yes. So I agree. I think Johnny enjoys men, definitely. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you saw, like, this week, but um, Johnny was sitting on the couch uh, with Liam prior to the what's the what's the thing where they sit on the couch? They, <laughs> commitment like, ceremony. Talk to the expert. The commitment, commitment ceremony. ceremony. <laughs> so uh, on Sundays. They yes. Have yes, and he was so asking like, a lot of questions about being bisexual and what that means and sleeping with men and yeah. Yes. Okay. So prior to the commitment ceremony, so prior to going to this place with like all the other people and like recommitting to their partners. Uh, like this group of men are like gathering to like talk about how things have been going and like what's going on and 
Johnny and Liam are sitting on a couch together and just like talking, but like the body language between the two of them. <laughs> Did was you sense quite the electric, vibe? I have to say. Electric. Okay, I can't remember an electric feeling, but I'll go back and have a look. There was ke- there was chemistry between the two of them when See, they were sitting on the couch. I like people keep saying to me, "Oh, you're just assuming blah blah blah." It's like you know, being hopeful. But when I saw them sit, like before that, yes, I was being hopeful that these two men would get together. But when I saw them sitting on the couch together, I was like, ooh. Okay. okay. See, I didn't feel like a specific vibe between the two of them so much as Johnny having his big white eyes to being like, wait, you can do that? You can have both? Like, and that's okay. Like, how does that work? You know what I mean? I thought it was quite endearing that he, I think he's from an Italian family, he mentioned. So they're quite traditional. Um, so he's having, I think, a lot of issues with maybe aligning his sexuality with his family values. And so Liam uh-huh. to him was like a beacon of like, okay, well, how can I make this work? Yeah, I hope so. I hope he kind of sees that. I feel like Carrie is a bit on the butch side as well. <laughs> so I feel like Carrie might not mind as much. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope so. She seems really nice and just fine, you know, inoffensive. She seems gay to me. Carrie also <laughs> seems gay. Maybe. I just can't get past her eyebrows. So I haven't gotten that far into wondering about if she's gay or not. They're very. What's wrong with really high up and like super eager and that's all I can focus on yes just like that yeah yeah um but yeah so that's them and the third couple is Jamie and Chris yep these two she's a demon just straight up so Chris is when they say he's a FIFO worker fly in fly out does that mean he works in mines in the mines absolutely okay so he works in the mines I I don't think it necessarily means that but this man does work in mines yeah um, and he lives in North Queensland and Jamie, and he's also got two daughters and by all intents and purposes, he seems very, very sweet, to be honest, raised by his mom and sisters and has two daughters and seems to respect and like women. Shocker. Who knew that that was possible? Jamie works in media. I know her, not literally, but I know this person from my experience of working in media. Um, and she believes that because she went to uni and has a degree that this makes them from two different universe worlds and how will their paths ever align? She literally is like, we have nothing in common. I don't know why they matched us together. And then she's like, what I asked for was a nice guy with family values and, you know, wants to be a good husband. And that's what she got. But she's like a weird snob with a superiority complex and just hates this man. She hates his haircut, which she calls his Queensland haircut. Um, <laughs> when really it could be a Darlinghurst haircut too, from what I've seen. She just can't stand him. She's on him for like not washing his hands, for the what he wears, for his hair, for his nose rings. And this guy's actually so nice so far. Like he's trying really hard not to be like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> no? Well. He's not as annoying as Jake, in my opinion. No. No, he's not as bad as Jake. I think Jake is actually really fucked up. Um, <laughs> he is grubby. I don't. I don't know like other people's mm, standards for this, but I don't think her standards are too high of him. What do you mean so grubby? I think one thing that she's noticed is like he's kind of grubby and unkept. 
Uh, and like washing your not washing your hands after the bathroom is is a bit disgusting. I don't I think he say. didn't wash his hands. I think she just assumed he didn't. I also don't think he no, went he to the didn't. bathroom. He didn't. I don't think he, he went didn't. to the bathroom. I think he was just like you're being a bitch and I need to walk away so I don't get angry. And I don't even, you know when you do that thing where you just go walk away and maybe stand in the toilet and look yourself in the mirror and go this person's a fuckwit. Like I need to message my friend that they're so annoying. I don't think he really went to the toilet even. That this man washed his hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do find him grubby. I do find him nasty. What? Looking. Oh. Um, I don't know. Like, yes, he seems to have family values and stuff like that. But he's. I wouldn't be happy with it. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> be impressed if someone. Because you're this. gay. No, but I still wouldn't. Like, at least. I don't know. Even my girlfriend likes him. She's like, he looks like a Viking. Like, she's like, if I was a boy, I'd want to look like that. Oh, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I get it. I get why she's not impressed. I'm not impressed. I mean, look, obviously I'm not attracted to him. But, like, I can see why she's not either. I just think um, she's a nasty snob and she doesn't, like, dislikes him for the wrong reasons. Like, I agree. So, I think those reasons him being grubby and unkept etc and her wanting him to work on that that's understandable but not a reason to be you know sort of unnecessarily harsh with him um i think she yeah i agree she's she is very snobby about the fact about his the way he talks the way that um like his job yeah she keeps correcting him she's like oh ask like is that english do you mean ask and i'm like do you just shove your attitude up your own fucking ass? Like, I can't stand her. She seemed, to be honest, Af, when I saw her, she's, I was like, this is the kind of person that Af kind of would be friends with from work. <laughs> she seems like she would work at your workplace. And- Go fuck yourself. You're so <laughs> rude. I would never be friends with someone like her. No way. Oh, my God. No. She's I said, I see her. I know this person. She definitely works in media. I've come across many, many, many like her. I detest yeah. and loathe all of them. Yeah. I hate most yeah. people in media. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like she is like this white straight woman that works in media that's friends mostly with gay men that work in media who spend a lot of time critiquing other people and being unnecessarily harsh. Unlike on us. Other people. <laughs> Unlike you and I. Um, yeah, I'm like, us, oh, so we're just so kind. But, but do you know what I mean? So, like, she's used to being yeah. around gay men who are highly judgmental. Um, and, yes. like, you know what? Gay men deserve to be judgmental of straight men. That's their right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as is women's right to be harsh on straight men as well. Um, because, ultimately, they're the ones that have to deal with men, not us. That's true. That's true. Um, so, I... I kind of I kind of get where she's coming from and at the same time I think that she's extremely out of touch and I think that she it, it would really benefit her if she had some friends who weren't gay men that worked yeah. in media. I was about to say I think she thinks she's very funny because probably the gay men that she works with in media laugh at her stupid one-liners but everything just falls really flat when she says it on this mm-hmm. show you're just like mm, you are garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's very. She thinks that he's very like um, from and, a small world and stuff like that. But yeah. she's also from a very small world. Yeah, like what murders me is that she didn't even meet Russ, who didn't know what salmon was. Like, who are you to judge, Chris? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, so they're the three new couples. 
that we have to deal with. Yeah. The end. No, not the end. There is so much more that happened that do not involve these three. I'm going to start with... I'm going to start with Alessandra, actually. I know I've talked about how much I love her already, but she's a breath of fresh air to this series. I think she's made the other experts, in quotation marks, pull their socks up, quite frankly, because she's the only one calling out bullshit. And then they're like, oh, actually, yeah, that is problematic. Case in point, Joanne and James. Joe and James. She's the barber. He is the guy with the Rolex and he has major issues with his, I think, very deep loathing of the female race or lack of respect. He just is awful to his partner, Joe. He's disappeared for random weekends at a time. He told her she means nothing to him and like has no respect for her. So he doesn't really care what she thinks of him. And then last week on the couch at the commitment ceremony, he tried to make a hilarious joke where he told her he was in love with someone else. And then lol was talking about Alessandra and Alessandra was like, that's not funny. And that's super disrespectful. And how dare you like, no. So this week on the couch, he apologized to Alessandra and the other judges but she called him up on so much of his bullshit. She was like, cause he called or he didn't call. He called Belinda of Belinda and Patrick, who by the way, all of last episode, I called Damien, but his name is Patrick. <laughs> he called, he asked if she was frigid or he said that she was frigid, which is a term like loaded with judgment. And Alessandra basically was like, you're sexist. You're archaic. You're this, you're that. She just like went in hard to the point where even John was like, pulled him up because he was gaslighting joe and they've never said this word i feel like on this show at home i'm screaming it at the tv this is bullshit gaslighting and for the first time ever john was like what you were doing is twisting and deflecting the topic at hand like whatever joe says and then flipping it on her to make her think like she's crazy like this is peak gaslighting behavior and i was like just so shocked that it actually finally happened and was called out it really showed me that hey even in australia these experts are aware that in 2020, the tone has maybe changed about how we talk about women because in the past they would have been like, Joe, what did you do that could have made James maybe stay in the apartment yeah. for the weekend yeah. <laughs> instead of like, Absolutely they would have. yeah, I, I was talking to Karina last night and we were saying that every, we have never seen a man on this show, not gaslight. Yes, partner. totally. We have witnessed it so many times and we have witnessed the experts actively participate in it. In yeah. This show. Yeah. And it's taken eight seasons and the intervention of Alessandra, the angel, angel, um, to fucking make these experts, especially John, this especially little John. John is the worst one. Well, he's the women himself <laughs> the season. He's the worst one since the other dope left, the one that used to sit in the middle. Who oh, yeah, Alessandra? Dope, but he's John is still the worst one. Yeah, fine. Only the worst one because he talks the most. Whereas she would just interject every now and then with something really problematic and unhelpful. Whereas John, like, continuously does this. Like, they would have been like, Joe, why did you make James put his wall up? What did you do to make him not come home? Why are you making him this way? You know what I mean? They do this all the time. Like, maybe if she was more vulnerable or more helpful or more over the top with him and affectionate, you know, things would be okay. So I was just really really deeply excited that the tide seems to have turned with the experts especially and the men in this show yes absolutely the experts for the first time ever did something useful <laughs> yeah. for this episode and yeah. held james accountable it was for his beautiful actions. 
for Belinda, for Joe, for literally everything he's done. It was lovely to watch. Made me feel like at peace. Yes, it was really good. And then James and Joe went home. Thank Thank fuck. Like ever since she wrote like stay for now, he has been ready to fucking leave her. Like that was such a blow to his little ego. I liked her, but um, she was also a bit of a shit stirrer. Her and Patrick, always in there, like, trying to, which I do yeah, love. Yeah, it's fun. Yes, yeah, it. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. Um, so then the experts actually follow through again on this episode because Bryce and Melissa come up. Bryce and Melissa are by far the most fucked up couple. The most fucked up couple. Like, truly but not in like a this is fun to watch kind of way. Like this last episode of the commitment ceremony, I actually just felt like this is very sad to watch. Like Melissa and Bryce being a dickhead, you know? Because she, mm-hmm. it's hard. I, I find it hard to be sympathetic towards her, which I know we've talked about before, but like yeah. all she wants is to be with someone. She literally was just like, I cannot ever say anything that's annoying me because I don't want to rock the boat because he'll leave me. And I was like, you should absolutely just leave him. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it is so frustrating to watch her. Um, I really hope she has a breakthrough. I don't think it will happen on this show. No. Um, yeah, like, it is It is really difficult because I think everybody has someone in their life that they wish they could just shake them and be oh like, God, yes. stop waiting around for a man to oh. start your life. Like, your life is happening and it's been happening and you've missed your yeah, whole life. Yeah, yeah. You've been sitting around waiting for men who are garbage people to tell you that you're special or tell you that you're worth it. Which repeatedly he does the opposite of to her. He keeps telling her she's not special, not the most attractive, like would not go out of his way for her. And he's always at the center of other people's drama. And when the experts ask her about how that makes her feel, she says, I don't listen to anyone else. I only listen to him. I was like, Oh my God. But everything him is saying is very, very bad. Like, you're not listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even the experts are like, Melissa, <laughs> we are telling you right now, there's, there's something wrong. How do you feel? Tell us how you feel. Yeah. And she's still like, she can't get it out. And I understand that because being put on the spot, yeah. with, like someone who you don't necessarily trust with your emotions in front of heaps of people, like she couldn't get it out. And that, um, is perfectly understandable. Um, it, it is just so hard to watch. But what I did love was Bryce and Beck. Bryce and Beck was epic because even if she's an actress, like you said last week, which you also what you said last week was if Beck and Jake have a breakthrough and then all of a sudden she decides she starts to like him. No sooner had you said that, I think that they decided to turn to each other and say, let's reset and like each other because that's where Mm -hmm. they're at. So maybe she's an actress. Mm -hmm. She recounted a conversation that she had with Bryce when they were working out in the gym and see there's so many layers are fucked up here from this conversation he told her that he had ranked her first in the activity where they had to rank all the other couples out of attractiveness like Uh of the opposite sex and that his friend was coming to sydney to visit and asked if he wanted him to buy a present for the girlfriend he apparently had in canberra who he started dating a couple of months before he was on the show so he would have started dating her before he, like when he knew he was on the show. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, and the fact to me that it became really clear to me as soon as that little detail was revealed by Beck that he also told her that he had ranked her first in attractiveness, I was like, oh, he wants to fuck Beck. He was trying to hit on her and was trying to like yes. make like get an in with her by sharing and divulging this with her, thinking, oh yeah, we're cut from the same cloth. Like she'll love this, and she was like, absolutely not, sir. I will be telling everyone this. And she was so cool, calm and collected through every single confrontation she had with him from the dinner party to the commitment ceremony that I knew she was hundred percent telling the truth the whole time. Yeah. She was like, this is what he said. Point one, two, three, and four. Yeah. Like how did that woman really sit in her room at night and scheme up point one, two, three, and four? Yes. That's that what Bryce said. kept saying. Like, they're unhappy and so they're trying to come for a happy couple and just make things up. I was like, first of all, nobody's that pathetic other than you. Second of all, you're not yeah. in a happy couple. And third of all, yeah. Beck doesn't even care about her own relationship, let alone yours. Like, she, <laughs> she would not have bothered. Truly. I love Beck. I hope that <laughs> she doesn't get reformed and I don't think she will. I don't um, think so either. I think she's just trying to play nice to get some more screen time and that's fine. Yeah. I, I agree. I think she is trying to stick around and I do think that she's going to go postal on Jake very, short, very, very soon, which makes me think maybe she's not an actress or maybe she's an actress that's deciding to act insane. Just anyway. go rogue. Um, and both of those things I support. Um, <laughs> Bryce is such a demon. He's a, He's demon. a demon. He's disgusting. Um, and the experts are like, on this episode, we're like, Bryce, you behave atrociously yeah you they really hate just, him <laughs> you really just cannot behave yourself and he still um, didn't get it by the end of it they were like do you understand what we're saying like you are always at the center of drama and this and that and like just focus on the two of you and he's like mm-hmm. it's just other people isn't it and they're like no you no, no listen again you are responsible for your own behavior and your own actions and other people aren't and he's like yeah if other people just stayed out of our relationship it'd be good and they're like and again <laughs> Once again, just you and Melissa, but he has zero interest in Melissa. So his focus is everywhere else because he doesn't give a shit about his own relationship. Like I remember the things that I enjoyed about Cam and Jules because they were very boring back in season six, but they only really cared about each other and then got involved in the other conversations. And they were a little bit drunk at the dinner parties, like when they disagreed with something, but you could tell that nothing really phased them because they were so solid with each other. This is the opposite of that. This is two people that are so unsolid that everything else is just make like getting them in a flat. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So what did you think about Melissa's comment that Beck should have come to her first rather than going to... Um, Who did she go to? Did she go to Bryce or she just blurted it out at the dinner party? I think she might have told like Jake because he knew a few weeks earlier and then it just sort of slowly got around. I think if Beck had just gone to Melissa, it would have gone absolutely no further than that. She would have been like, no, I don't believe you. I can't believe you're doing this. Please don't mention this again. And she wouldn't even have entertained the thought that it was true. Or if if it did, she would have done it in her head and never wanted it brought up again, like as for fear of rocking the boat. Yeah, absolutely. That was my thought as well. I think that Beck just saw that Melissa was not going to do anything with the information. Yeah. And that other people needed to hold Bryce accountable. Yeah, and it was done in such a beautiful manner. <laughs> it wasn't good for Melissa. Like, I understand no. why Melissa said that. Um, so from Melissa's perspective, probably not the right way to go about it. But I understand why Beck did what she did. 
Yeah, me too. He tried to fuck her and she was not interested and now he's rejecting like a little boy who got his feelings hurt. Mm. And he was so bright red in the face and squirming. Bright red. <laughs> he's always so red. Even before he started talking, before they were even on the couch, he, Kim was like, his ears are so red. I was like, imagine how bad it's going to be when he's on the couch. Yeah. Anyway, all in all, a great week. Oh, great I can't great believe show. I never watched this show. This is fucked. Kim was like, Melissa really should not have been allowed on the show. Like, do they do psychological assessments? Like, what's the deal? And I think they do do them in Australia, but they get the ones that have absolutely failed the assessments to actually yeah. be cast. <laughs> like, yeah, it's incredibly unethical, this program. Yeah. There's <laughs> little to no responsibility for people's actual well-being. Um, yeah. There are so many people in this program that should not have been matched, least of all Bryce and Melissa. I mean, of all people, yeah, no. I love it so much, though. <laughs> it's great. It's great television. Yeah. Epic. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about them. Oh, I will say, though, Patrick is getting very cocky. Like, every time he kisses Belinda for a little bit longer, he comes back a bit more, like, swinging his dick around with the rest of the crew. You know Makes what I mean? Sick. I Same. I can't so stand it. Yes. Yeah, I hate him. I actually don't like him at all. No, I don't like him either. Um, okay. Next. <laughs> Next. We were supposed to talk about this last week, and it makes me so sad that we didn't, but the Harry and Meghan, in- Meghan? The Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah happened a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. which was highly anticipated, like, mm-hmm. needless to say. I personally was so excited to watch it because, like, it's Oprah. She's my favorite person other than Beyonce. And what I will say overall was they the interview was about them talking about why they chose to step back from the royal family, move to America, and what happened basically since Meg, Megan. I want to say Megan. I'm going to. I, I just can't say Megan in a, in a Same. sustained conversation. Me too. I, I felt funny saying it the third time. Um, mm. Since she enjoyed the royal family and what she endured by the incredibly racist press and media over here, as well as the institution itself. And yeah. all I can say is that nothing in the interview super surprised me, but it was very illuminating nonetheless. You know what I mean? Yes. So this interview is very illuminating to specific circumstances. Yeah. And I think specific instances, like highlighting specific instances of racism is really important mm-hmm. um, and addressing them. Uh, on an interpersonal level is also really important um, and holding them up as things that we can work on and, um, you know, criticise as well um, is really important. Agree. And living in the UK now for going on my third year, I will say, as a society, it is incredibly racist but full of microaggressions. Like, it's almost worse in this country. And by worse, I mean like more offensive to British politeness to accuse someone of being racist than for someone actually being racist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's considered yeah, more yeah, offensive yeah. to do to someone. How dare you call me a racist when I was being racist? Like, is a really big deal. <laughs> yeah. So like socially, a lot of people say that um, the UK has the most advanced level of racism, right? So it kind of goes um, UK, US, Australia. So people say Australia's racism is barbaric, right? So (laughs) people just outright be a cunt to you because you're a race other than white Mm -hmm. in Australia. Nobody will stop them. No one will apologize for it. You can just have a screaming argument 
in the street yep. about racism, that's pretty common practice in Australia. Whereas in the UK, it's very subtle, mm-hmm. it's very ingrained in the, in the way of life, as it is in other, you know, in the colonies of Britain as well. Yeah. Um, but in the UK, you know, it's it's a lot more, people say it's more intelligent, the racism, like, because it so effectively gaslights people of yes. colour. Um, so one, people, one thing that I've noticed, because I've also lived in the UK, um, yeah, so... Um, the one thing, one thing about the UK compared to like settler nations, so like uh, colonies of Britain, so Canada, USA, uh, and Australia, as the you know big three. Of course, there are other yep. British colonies. Um, is that uh, because the it, the context of the colony exists, right? Um, there's a lot more awareness of the history of uh, the function of race in relation to history and politics in settler nations. And when I say there's a lot more, there's not a lot. <laughs> there's a lot more than the UK, but not a lot. Whereas yeah. people who live in the UK, I've noticed, are, are inarticulate about race. They mm. cannot discuss race. They don't fully understand race. They are not aware of um, the global impact of British colonisation. They're not aware of the social issues that come uh, with race and colonization, they're completely ignorant to it. So when you try to start a conversation with them about it, they have absolutely zero knowledge or skills yep. to have an effective yes. conversation with you. And, you know, there was someone that I knew that uh, a year or two ago moved, tried to move to Australia from the UK, had lived in the UK all his life and could not cope with the conversations that went on in Australia, found right. them too confronting and too aggressive and moved back home. Jesus. Like literally came here could not cope with it, went back home. So this is a really common... Yeah. This is a big issue for the UK. This is a big issue for the world. Race is a huge Mm -hmm. global issue because of colonisation and also settler colonialism. Um, So, like, colonisation is when when Britain goes into countries to extract resources and sets up a colony there to extract resources. And settler colonialism is when British people go to a place and set up a permanent nation there. Yep. So we have both those things happening in the world yes. uh, with Britain, which is why I want to come to the point that it is hilarious that people are surprised <laughs> that the royal family oh. are racist. 100%. These are people They're who, Nazis. They were literal Nazis. Philip was friends with Nazis. Like his sisters were Nazis. This is not a surprise. Yeah. And you know what? People hold up Nazis as like this example of racism Mm. and hatred when actually the scale that the royal family has practiced racism and genocide far exceeds far exceeds like a million fold their impact is like 10 million fold over the world 10 million 10 million it is so vast they they literally murder and extract people and resources from other nations at such a rate that sustains them as a monarchy mm-hmm. and people are surprised <laughs> that yeah. these people are racist. Not only surprised, but people here are still like, mm, is this a race thing though? Or was it just a personal thing about Megan? I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. One of the things that Megan revealed about her time in the family was that when she was pregnant with her baby, Archie, Someone, they didn't say who it was. There was a discussion about the baby's skin color and specifically concern about the baby's skin color. And she said like that for her was a major 
major turning point. And I believe that the reason that they couldn't say, because Megan was like, we can't actually reveal who this was. It was too damaging. It would be too damaging. So they said it wasn't the Queen or Prince Philip, which I think most people's assumptions were that it's probably Philip. But I think it's not... He's probably said 10 million times worse things and constantly. So it's not, it wouldn't be surprising. You know what I mean? The reason that this yeah. comment probably had a lot of impact was I think because it was from a future monarch themselves was probably Charles or Will. I think Will. Yeah. I think Will and Kate are the two key protagonists that wanted these two out because they were so popular. And like Kate grinded for a decade to be a part of this family. She literally changed schools to enroll places that Will enrolled in. Like this was a long-term goal of hers to be, you know, part of this family. If anyone was the one that was planning it, it was Kate. So I think when someone came along that was incredibly popular and well-liked and natural, that kind of, because for a while it was just her and Will, the golden children, then they had babies and that's all anyone cared about. But as soon as Harry brought Megan into the fold and they had their baby and wedding, like, they were so much more globally popular. So I think they were, they're a major threat to Will and Kate. So I think it, and a lot of the stories that would come out about Megan and that were from like the one about the fact that she made Kate cry during the preparations for her wedding were passed on from Will and Kate's office, like their press office. And it's like, and that ended up being false because Megan was like, no, no, I was the one that was made to cry by Kate. But, you know, she apologized or whatever. And I hoped that she would have done everything she could to clear out that story, but she didn't. That's literally because they are the ones that have, you know, passed it on to the Daily Mail or whatever. So I think yeah. it's those two are the main culprits. I hate them so much. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there's so many elements to this So situation. many. Um, one thing that I really want to point out about this situation is I think it is a perfect example of how people try to scapegoat individuals as racist mm. when we live in societies that are racist. So yeah. like everybody who lives in British society, everybody who lives in British colonies is racist. We are programmed with yep. racism from birth um, and it ranks the way that our societies function. Yep. Um, and so I think like what, you know, the Oprah interview kind of does is like, oh, these people are racists, like huge reveal these people are racists yeah that's like there's something secret and dark about them that is racist when in fact as you know as i just said this whole society this whole political structure is really founded on race and class yeah um and uh, like and upholding that and so many institutions exist to reinforce that structure absolutely absolutely yeah so i just think it's really interesting that right now we're still having this conversation and it was so funny because um like a lot of indigenous people here like were were meaning on the interview (laughs) like there was just like a full flood of royal family memes it was beautiful it was renaissance it was a meme (laughs) renaissance on the royal family um and there was just so there was just so much content (laughs) on the royal family that was like we have told you mob for years (laughs) that these people are fucked like they are insane but also again they have a whole society that as you just discussed allows them props Mm. them up uh to be these you know powerful authority figures 
uh, so they have everyone behind them as yep. well. And I think like this also raises the question, I really want to talk about diversity okay. um, as well in relation to this issue because this morning like a news article said that you know the royal family is undergoing modernization processes uh, and so they will be um, implementing like a diversity, what do you call it? A diversity stratus. Like a diversity and inclusion thing? A diversity and inclusion strategy to make sure that like LGBT people, people of colour, people with disabilities are represented within apparently the royal family, which I assume means them, like not them, but the, everybody that works for them in their palace or something I like guess. that. I guess. Because apparently it was a lot of people in the palace that made Megan's life a living hell. Like, it's a lot of the behind the scenes people. This is like, I mean, this attitude and these beliefs are deep rooted in this entire institution. Like, it's not just the key players that we know. It's right. So everyone. what they're trying to do is address the mentality of the people that work in the palace, in the kingdom of white supremacy. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That That does make sense. Yeah. Um, this is why I'm so sus on diversity and inclusion projects. Oh my god, totally. Have you seen that meme where it's Anne Hathaway and it's like, "Hi, I'm here to talk about diversity and inclusion." Exactly. <laughs> Anne Hathaway is exactly the vibe of people in charge of diversity and Fully. inclusion. Fully. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I personally have been on many diversity and inclusion panels. I can uh, verify that they are dominated by white women. Always. Um, there might be queer white women, but they are white women nonetheless. Uh, many of the white women on current diversity panels that I'm on are white women who uh, work with Indigenous communities in brackets, or they're white women who are archaeologists who dig up people's ancestors and uh, cultural items for a living. Uh, so we can see how these white women can be have all of these uh, good intentions but also be actively harmful and yep. still not aware of their own self in relation to these systems. So it is just so bizarre that instead of, you know, that instead of ever focusing on the fact that this is a, you know, institution, the royal family is an institution that rules over many people including people of color by force mind you mm -hmm. not not without um you know not without permission um so i just like the idea that this woman who is a woman of color who is presumably an ancestor has ancestors who were slaves if she's mm -hmm. african-american or ancestors who are immigrants from a place that uh was possibly socially and politically disrupted yeah by uh, British occupation in her country so she might have her family may have migrated due to the impacts of colonialism on her country mm -hmm. um, why did we expect or why do we expect this woman to fit in neatly among these people who historically have been invested in the demise of her people <sighs> why indeed I have no idea but yeah I don't have the answer. So interesting. It's such an interesting phenomenon. Yep. Yep. I'm glad they're gone. Made it out. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the other element of 
this, which everybody's discussing, is, you know, the royal family is accused of murdering uh, Pintari's mother, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not letting it happen again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he, you know, he's invested in a, in a different way yeah. in protecting this woman and his, his kids. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if they, I think that he's thinking if they could murder my mother, who was, you know, a white woman. And aristocracy. Um, Her father was an earl. Yeah, and he was saying that he's now living off his, like, inheritance from his mum, like, what she put aside for him, because people kind of said that she sort of had the foresight to look out for Harry, and then there was this old interview that was unearthed where she said, they'll look after the heir, I need to look after the spare, because they won't. Really? So that's why, yeah, so she left him with, like, a shit ton of money, so that's how they can, like, go on and live in LA or whatever and do whatever they need to, but it's really interesting. Really? she was suicidal over this issue is exemplary of how tiring it is yeah. to live in a society uh, or like in a world really for black people yeah. in a world that is so invested in like your suppression mm-hmm. um, and and just like your elimination actually as well Yeah. so you know I I just, I I don't blame Megan for joining joining the royal family at all. Like, do she want to do what she wants to do? She obviously had yeah. a vision for herself, um, and I also feel so bad for her as well to be like a black woman with that level of like public hatred for her, uh, and just like steeped now for a long time in this institution. Um, yeah that really like demands so much of her and people like her uh you know while it actively harms people like her as well yeah um so really you know we're all (laughs) we're all Megan in the sense that we all have to live under this institution yeah um it's just some of us get held up by it and made examples of exactly she was the ultimate example Oh, I hope they're happy now. I hope her and her new baby and their other cute baby and Harry are really happy. I hope so. I hope they do work that addresses. I'm mostly Harry. I want Harry to yeah. do the work that addresses these issues. And yeah. I don't mean diversity inclusion and inclusion at the palace. <laughs> yeah, I hope he stays clean. Also, we haven't even touched on the fact that all this happened to Megan so publicly and so loudly consistently and there is a legit pedophile sex offender in that family that nobody is furious about or demanding anything from you know what i mean like this constantly i'm like we literally know he's a pedophile and a sex trafficker and that's just we all uphold this this family we uphold this family that is full of pedophiles uh generations generations of pedophiles Mm -hmm. generations of murderers generations of robbers we uphold them and yet uh british society is so ready to turn on a woman just because she looks a little bit different to them yeah 
and the amount of people I've spoken to, like, you know, seemingly reasonable people, they'll still try and find things that are just specific to her that they want to pin it on. Like, no, it's this and it's in her manner. I'm like, no, it's not. It's just racism. Like the fact that you're all digging so hard to find these things, just your ingrained thing that she doesn't belong there. You can't accept that. So all these teeny tiny little intrinsic superficial things that they want to pick on her about they're only looking for them for one reason <laughs> like, yeah because if there's something wrong with her then it's her fault isn't it hmm. that's what they do they always have a story they always have a story about why we deserve to be treated worse yes. than everybody else in yeah. australia that story is a huge myth around um indigenous people and who we are and how we behave and blah blah, blah. it's a huge massive massive myth industry mm-hmm. the australian media is a myth industry about Indigenous people uh, to justify continued occupation of our lands. Uh, and in this, this instance is no, is no different, is that they will find anything that is imperfect about a person yep. of colour to make racism their, like that person's fault. Exactly. Than, uh, look at themselves and think, why do I have uh, unnecessary ingrained hatred for other human beings? A million percent. Race is race and racism are a system. They're not a character flaw in bad people. Mm-hmm. It is a system that upholds the societies that we know as we know them. One hundred percent. Well, that was deep. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. I think with collective and systemic effort, <laughs> we can shift things. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I'll try. I'll choose to be optimistic today about that. Otherwise, me too. I'm. I will say the same thing. I refuse to accept otherwise. Also. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, have a lovely day. Good morning. <laughs> Good evening. Yeah. Um, and have a great week. Well, I hope you found that discussion um, illuminating, and we're able to take something away from it. I know I have, um, and I always do each week. So. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Catch up on Housewives on Maths and join us back here next week. We'll be back on our bullshit um, and you never quite know where the conversation will go. But I hope you enjoy. Thanks.